755 is real is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know MLB ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I took a glance at Game 1 of the World Series on the Game Time app earlier this morning. To me, what's kind of helpful is that there are panoramic seat views, photos from the section that you're interested in, so you get an idea of the angle you'll be watching from and not just ballparking it. It was kind of cool to see the perspective from Section 433 at Minute Maid Park, for instance, and it may be of use to you. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Hey, it's seven fifty-five is real. Welcome back. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, joined by my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever and part of Oventbro, which was for a few years one of the greatest bullpen trios in MLB history. Eric, does that feel weird when when that's said? Do you do you ever stop and think? Is that were we, or do you think you look back and go in retrospect and go, yeah, we were pretty damn good? Yeah, no, I mean it's easy to look back and and think, wow, we were pretty damn good. But it also just kind of feels, you know, your whole f- career kind of feels like a blur when you're done playing. Uh, looking back at it, it's like, man, um, it just it happens fast and then it's over. But I look back at those years, man, and and you see some of the teams that, like what Kansas City did after that, and and teams that had those Super Bowl pens. It's uh yeah. It's kind of cool to look back and be like, shit, we were kind of we kind of started that thing. It's cool. Yeah, because bullpenning and the term and all that shit was got big after that with Kansas mm-hmm. City and their World Series bullpen was really kind of I think where it took off. But when you look back at, at how important that pen was to the Braves in that period, you got you just think how big it would be now if a pen was that good because you know like I said bullpen is so much bigger now it seems like it's such a bigger uh, a more emphasized and uh, celebrated part of the game than it was just ten years ago it seems like to me or eight years ago whenever that was for sure and you know it's it's kind of weird because people still bring it up and talk about it and and we made a pretty uh, good impression on a lot of people back then but. You know, it's as your career goes on and, and you kind of hang on and hang on and hang on and struggle, yeah. um, that taste in your mouth kind of changes. You know, you look back at the last few years and it, yeah. it takes some time right. after it takes time being away from the game to look right. back at your best years and be like, holy shit, you know, I did some cool stuff because those uh, those years of failure toward the end of my career, you know, that's it's it's powerful. You know, like that's, that's yeah. the taste that leaves in your mouth. So. Um, now I've had enough time away. It's it's fun to look back and reflect on it and be like, man, that was that was pretty special what we had. Does it? It's funny you bring that up. Does that make it? Uh, do you do you uh, uh, envy those guys that are able to go out yes. on their own terms while they're still <laughs> at the top of their game? Because that must be a great yep. feeling to retire when you're still a stud. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're how getting, many guys get to do that? Not many. Not many at you all know. get. You, you know, you're not the best player that you were, ever were, but you're still really good, you know, but you're like 35. I mean, those guys that can do that. 
you know, yeah, the yeah. guys that get to go out on their terms and have it all in that way, it's it's just so rare. You know, like David Ross, yeah. the way he went out, winning a couple World yeah, Series and getting carried exactly. off the field. It's like, you know, that's that's not really realistic. You know, the reality for most of us is you kind of get to a point where you're like, I just don't belong in this league, this league yeah. anymore. You know, I'm just I'm just not quite good enough to play here. And it's uh, it's tough to swallow. You know, it, it takes some time, but it finally hits and you just kind of say, well, I guess that's a wrap, you know. There aren't many Barry Sanders in, in, in the sports world. No, but it makes you – but you kind of – you look at some guys' careers too and, and you watch um, you watch how they end and people think of him as that player. You know, even even BMAC with his career ending yeah. and stuff. Yeah, It's easy to forget how much the dude raked when he was in his prime. What right. a just ridiculously talented hitting catcher he was. And he was great behind the plate obviously too, but people forget about his bat once the shift came in yeah. and then he started That's getting true. a little older – all of a sudden, you don't, you know, you talk about this guy being a Hall of Famer, and people kind of question it. And then you, you go back and look at his prime years. You're like, shit, that's that a, is one of the best hitting catchers a, I've ever seen. Yeah, he was a he was a 300 hitting catcher. I mean, he hit yeah. for a high average Stupid. and power as a catcher. 20 homers a year, 280 to 300. Yeah, it was. Uh, people do forget how great he was. I mean, he was yeah. great. He was a great what hitting a, catcher, just a um, stud. Well. It is week two of the offseason that came too soon for the Braves and their followers. And this is the second of our once-weekly offseason shows that will air every Tuesday. Um, we got the World Series about to start. And I don't know. I, to me, it's, I've picked the Astros ever since, like, mid-season. Uh, yeah. Actually, I thought the Astros before the season began. But by mid-season, I thought it was pretty obvious they were – the best team. I thought the Dodgers for a while looked like they might be able to, you know, give them a run in the World Series. But to me, right now, I don't. I can't see anybody beating the Astros with Garrett Cole and, and Justin Verlander doing their thing, and with guys like Altuve is just such a clutch hitter. Uh, it's a, their lineup's it's, just so tough. Yeah, him and Springer at the top yeah. with the home runs. I know Springer didn't hit for much average at all in the last series, but he had two homers. But they're so deep that lineup. I don't see anybody beating them. Do you think the Nats of all teams? I mean, the Nats are the ones that that are that are going to try to give it a go for the NL. Do you think they got a chance with? I, I guess they got so. a fighting chance with with Scherzer yeah. and Strasburg doing. Strasburg right now is pitching the the uh, you know this is the peak form of his life and the biggest part the you know the first time he's ever been uh, in the postseason uh, deep in the. I've never like seen this. him look better. Yeah, Strasburg. Uh, he is what know, we what everybody always thought he should be, right? For sure, uh, just uh, you know, I he kind of had um, there's a narrative about him being soft and and not cut out and and things like that for, right. you know, just for the hype and everything with him. But man, watching him pitch in this postseason is it's been unreal. Watching him, with, you know how he's been able to throw and I, I didn't, you know, you don't know what guys are made of till you see him on that in that in those bright lights and what he's been doing this postseason is crazy. That's. That's why I think they have a shot because him and Scherzer, you know, those those two guys are going to start yeah. four games. Yeah. Anything can happen if you start those two guys four games. Um, it's really cool, too, because you're getting a World Series where you're seeing legit starting pitching matchups. Yeah. And with all the bullpenning and all the different stuff going on in the game right now, you know, the, I didn't like that game six, man, sitting through that, yeah. you know, all those pitching changes yeah. and everything like that. That, that wasn't fun. Um, like I felt like a long-ass game. game. It really did. It was a long ass game to sit through, but I wanted to see what happened. Um, yeah, these pitching matchups in the World Series are going to be crazy. You know, like Strasburg and yeah. Verlander going head to head, Scherzer and Garrett Cole. Um, I'm excited to watch it because it's it's going to be some old school baseball. 
And the three start number three starters for either team's not bad either. No, they're not. Yeah. No. Yeah, it is going to be old school. And man, I was just looking at Springer and Altuve, especially Altuve. People, he's only twenty nine. Feels like he's been around for a while. But uh, yeah. this guy already has thirteen. Both of them have thirteen postseason homers, and both of them in forty three postseason games. That's kind of weird, but. Altuve, man, that guy, I just don't think he's quite as appreciated as he should be. You know, everybody points to the fact that he's five foot six and they forget. He's just a great player. He could be six foot six and he'd be a great player. This well, guy, if he was six foot six, he'd hit 40 homers a year. No with shit. With the same, man. you know, he's just so talented, but. He's got five homers in this postseason in uh, 43 at bats. He hit 31 this year. 31 eight homers. Ribbies. Yeah, eight ribbies. <laughs> He hit 350 in the ALDS with a 1281 OPS, and he hit 348 with a 1097 OPS in the ALCS. I mean, you talk about clutch. This dude is just clutch. That's probably another advantage that the um, the Astros really have, if you think about it, is they've just been here before. They've been in this situation yeah, year yeah, after no, year. No you know? doubt. There's going to be some comfort for these guys in, in this situation because it, it feels like Altuve is just a postseason vet at this point. You know, they got a whole team full of yeah. those guys. Yeah, you got yeah forty three postseason games. You're, you're, yeah, it's kind of that's it's crazy. Kind of, it's the track record like the Braves had back in the nineties when they had guys you know Chipper and Andrew that had played so many postseason games. But these guys have done enjoyed a lot of success too. I mean, they've gone deep in the postseason. But yeah, the Nationals they had never won a postseason series before this year, and now here they are facing the most seasoned postseason team in recent memory. Um, you got to wonder if it'll catch up to them at all. Uh, I mean, obviously the big stage isn't, isn't bothering them, and they've gotten past that. But you wonder if that the national, if it, if there's any, is there? You think there's any letting up where they go? Look, man, we already did what we we set out to do. Now let's just go have fun. Or do you think they stay just as intense as they have been? Oh, they're going to be intense as the World Series. But I, you yeah. know, the only thing that that I think could hurt them is this layoff. They won, you know, yeah. they won their series five days ago, whatever yeah. it was. Um, and the Astros are playing through, but you know, I don't, I always think that's kind of like a disadvantage, um, having that yeah. much time off. I think the team yeah. should just, you know, as stupid as it sounds, play like some scrimmages and shit just to keep, yeah. keep that competitive juices flowing and, and facing each other and doing all that. I'm sure they did workouts and stuff, but, uh, that's a long layoff, man, before, yeah. you know, without any games or anything like that, you just feel different when you don't play. I remember covering the world series when the Tigers played the Cardinals and uh, I think Leland's Tigers clinched. They might have won four. Uh, they might have swept in the ALCS. I mean, and now I have to look it up. I, may, I was probably wrong, but I think it, they might have swept because they had a long layoff. And I remember Leland talking about having like some some scrimmage games, a couple of days worth, because he was worried I'd about do that it. too. And then they and then they got their asses kicked in the World Series. But uh, the uh, yeah, I think you have to do something because the, the that's a long yeah. You're just sitting around you. You can't just turn the switch back on when when you start when the first pitch is thrown in the World Series. Yeah, and you know even during the regular season, man, a lot of baseball players hate off days because just yeah, you know yeah. you're, you're not moving at that same effort level, that same intensity, and your body just kind of tightens up. It it kind of almost starts to heal itself and think it's off season, yeah. and, and you know it made it through, and then you start cranking on it again and going full effort again, and it, it takes a day or two to feel like you're you're back in that flow. So. I think that's a disadvantage. I mean, obviously, you're going to World Series. You got to be happy, but um, yeah. it's not like they were going to try to let the Cardinals, you know, win a couple just so they can go seven and come in the World Series fresh. You got to put them away. But 
Um, it's it's definitely a little bit of a disadvantage in my mind having that much time off. Well, man, you talk about the off days. The Braves were a team this year that just hated the days after off days. I don't know if they hated them, but they played like they hated them. I mean, they 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 were terrible after off days this year. It was like it's the one flaw in their record this year during the regular season. Yeah, it's a real thing. You know, as yeah. as a relief pitcher, I always wanted to um, anytime after we had an off day, I'd get to the park early and just throw a bullpen. And kind of throw, try to throw hard a little bit, you know, like try to break some stuff up and, and kind of beat my body back up. Because once you start healing and, and uh, you know, getting that time off where your body just, it just, everything just shortens up a little bit where all your levers aren't quite firing at the same rate. You kind of got to beat it up again and, and feel like you're back to normal. But um, it's a thing for a lot of guys. A lot of guys just hate those off days. And it's, it's kind of a fine line because you need them, you know. Yeah, um, I wanted to pitch every day as a reliever because I was better. You know, the first day, the second day, the third day, each day I pitched back to back to back. I got better each game every time. But at some point, you know, you got to get yeah. the day off and, and need the rest. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to maintain um, your body and your health throughout that season. There's just so many games. Well, speaking of maintaining your body and yeah. your health throughout the season, <laughs> that'd be a good transition it for is. the main topic right now. Uh, and I think a lot of this might have to do with the fact that people are just so pissed yeah. that the Braves lost They're the just first mad. round, lost a series that they should have won by all accounts. I mean, they, they gave away game one and they gave away game four. And if you're the Cardinals, you could say, no, we took those games. But realistically, the Braves should have won at least one of those two games and the series should have been over before. But it wasn't. So people have to blame. In this age, there has to be blame placed. People want people to be held accountable. People want everything to be black and white, and you know there has to be somebody's whose fault it was. Uh, realistically, you could look at about three different areas that broke down and were reasons why the Braves didn't win that series. But everybody or a lot of people, uh, I'm amazed actually how many people really am. And I know it's social media. Yeah, and it's not maybe a representative sample of the actual fan base. It's, a, it's like the talk radio, uh, people always call them the vocal minority, the pissed off vocal minority. Uh, yeah. But on Twitter, the people that are taking Freddie Freeman to task for playing hurt after the he went he underwent surgery last week and it revealed, or the team revealed, or the surgery revealed, or both, that he had multiple uh, bone spur formations in there. And three, I think, loose bodies that uh, the doc, uh, Dr. Alchek up in New York removed all that, cleaned up his elbow, basically the whole joint. And people were like, instead of going to me, I said, Jesus, Freddie played yeah. hurt. And that was pretty ballsy. And he had a hell of a year until September playing with a lot of pain. Because you look at his June and August months, he OPSed over 1,000, had 20 home runs in those two months combined. Yeah. I mean, this is, he had he had his big he had his best season until September, but a lot of people are looking at directly the opposite. Going, he should have sat out. That uh, they're blaming the Braves for letting him play every day, as though bone spurs were not going to form or cause problems <laughs> if he if he rested five days during the season and played 155 instead of 160 games or whatever he played which I think is ridiculous because I don't think that's going to prevent bone spurs at all from causing the problems when they did. You can redress that more than me. And then the other thing people are, are, are pissed at him for playing and the Braves for playing him in the postseason after he struggled so much down the stretch. Do you want to just, uh, uh, as a player and as somebody who knows Freddie Freeman and knows 
how many players play hurt? What are your thoughts when you're seeing this on social media? If you're by, if you're daring to go and look at Twitter these days at the comments that people are making, just baffled, you know. Uh, and you know, I think I understand it um, to an extent, like you said, where people are just frustrated. You know, it's yeah. I think it's frustrating for everybody, fans, player, everybody in the organization. But what you have to understand is there just was no right answer for Freddie. There wasn't right. a right answer. You know, if he would have sat out, right? Then you're mad, your star player. How can your star player not be out there right. for the playoffs? You know, he's got to play through this. So the like dude Strasburg plays through it. He was held out. Yeah. Exactly. And Strasburg got roasted. And I was one Forever. of the people watching Years. Strasburg, like, how are you not going to pitch in the postseason? Yep. You guys have a team yep. that could win the World Series. You know, I was looking at it as a player saying, you got to play. Yeah. But this is the thing about, you know, how we were just talking about playing every day and being sharp and whatnot. If if Freddie would have taken two weeks off to go into the postseason, right. which he doesn't right. have any guarantee his elbow is going to feel any better. But right. if he takes those two weeks off and goes into the postseason, all of a sudden now he's taken two weeks off and he might just be rusty and suck. Maybe his elbow feels better. Um but he's just off with his swing. His timing's off. Everything's off. And I think that's a big reason of why he wants to play every day in the first place. Right. Because of what we were just talking about, how it keeps your rhythm, it keeps your body moving, it keeps you locked in, um, playing every day. And, you know, if you're Freddie Freeman, who's on billboards, I mean, he, he's just he's carried this lineup for however many years. You yeah, know, it's, it's been his team. It's not egotistical to know how good you are yeah. at all. It's it, and you can you can understand what you mean to a team and how good you are and how important you are to that team uh, and how bad they need you to be you out there. Without real, you can do that in a humble way. You know, it's not egotistical. It's it's just understanding what you mean, and he fully understands that. Um, how can you not go out there for your guys? How can you not go there knowing you're that important to this team? Um, I think he just felt so much pressure to be available for the playoffs, to figure it out, to make it work. That um, he was willing to play through excruciating pain. And if you're Freddie Freeman, um, do you not yeah. think you can hit with one arm? He hits with one yeah. arm half the time anyway. So uh, you, you, I just I just I don't understand where a selfish narrative would come out where the guy's playing through excruciating pain because he knows his team needs him. Um, you know, I well, as a as a pitcher, when you're two to three hitters away, you know, if say I have the I'm coming into the inning and I'm throwing the eight, nine, one, two guys. Right. Or the nine, yeah. one, two. I am modeling my whole inning to make sure I don't fra- face Freddie Freeman with guys on base. So the nine hole hitters getting pitches to hit the guy that the guy that's pinch hitting in the seventh Duvall, right? I'm yeah, challenging yeah. him as a left hander. I got to challenge Duvall because I don't want to get to a situation where I walk Duvall and Freddie comes up with two outs and a runner on second. You know, that's yeah. the kind of impact he has on your mindset as a pitcher. So just being in the lineup, uh, it's extremely valuable. Right. And you, you just know that, you know, you you know that if you go one, two, three, you don't have to face Freeman. That's a huge factor. And and well, it's, I don't know. It's it's frustrating I, for me to hear. I, the one thing that I, that, I mean, and some of the salute, some of the, when when other people kind of on Twitter, you know, as these things go back and forth and the battle and the people that take Freddie's side are people that were just kind of taking a, trying to take a rational approach to it and said, okay, say he sits out, who's playing in place of Freddie that makes the Braves better? Nobody. It's not like they had a backup experience, veteran backup first baseman. People were saying, oh, Cervelli could have been better. I'm like, did you see Cervelli play that game in New York the last week of the season when like a routine grounder <laughs> like went right by him? You know? And, and then the other person said, 
Well, Austin Riley could have been on the postseason roster. Maybe things would have been different if, Fre if Freddie would have confided how hurt he was, which I thought that's ridiculous on two levels. Two, the team knew how hurt he was. They see the MRIs. They're doctors that he'd had multiple MRIs. They knew he was playing hurt. They wanted him in there if he could play. And Austin Riley down the stretch, come on, man. you got to look at what right. he did. He wasn't right. He struck out almost one after in almost half of it is it bats there was nothing so, you could have expected anybody to do that would have been better than um you just couldn't expect freddie to perform that badly you know you couldn't yeah. expected him you and it was something that he had to see through to really realize okay this is an injury i can't play through and be productive because you can be hurt a lot in the big leagues almost everybody if you watch a big league season guys are hurt and sometimes guys are banged up and you know it doesn't make its way to the to the media you you know you you wouldn't find out about it um unless the guy had to come out of a game and then you know what questions yeah. to ask the manager but there's guys injuries. play hurt all the time right i mean all guys season, play hurt all season all day long and and a lot of times a guy will be Seriously banged up hurt. We'll be yeah. we'll we'll know you know he sprained his ankle and it didn't make its way into the the reports because he right. didn't have to come out right. of the game right guy's got right. a terribly sprained ankle and you see the guy hit three homers in a game stuff like that happens where you almost yeah. as a player you have to figure out um you know it, 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 every every injury individually whether you can play through it and be productive or not and I think for Freddie after he hit that ball um, seven hundred feet game to one. dead center in game one yeah. that was like a tease where it said okay I can do this. And if he yeah. would have got one more big hit, you're going on to the next round. So I don't, I, I don't think that he's selfish for 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 playing through all this pain and, and getting out there. I think it's just he knew the team needed him that bad, and and I, and he was just going to try to figure it out. You know, I mean, the easy thing for him to do would have been just going, look, I can't do it, I can't play. I mean, and and he had that out. He had that out and didn't take it. He had the out performance wise, yeah. and he didn't yeah. he didn't want that. He didn't want to say it's my elbows bothering me. He just wanted to wear it. This guy, right. this this guy of all people, though, to me, the guy that signed this long-term eight-year contract, and then the Braves broke tore the team down six months later. He had no idea they were going to do that when that contract. They were going to do this rebuilding project. He never right. said one bad word about management. Never said he wanted to be traded. Said the opposite. He loved being here. He wanted to stay here. The guy's been the most loyal brave in the last 10 years. And for people to call him selfish, it's got to kill him. And I know it is. I've heard from people that know him that, I've heard that too. this is the first time in his life that he's ever felt, you know, that people did not appreciate him or that they actually don't like him. And, you know, that's just not fair, man, because Freddie Freeman – I mean, besides being a, just a nice guy, but he is like the best teammate. These guys say he's the greatest teammate and a leader on this team. And for him now to feel unwanted, you talked about people were at were saying a year ago in the past two years saying we should trade Freddie Freeman. It's not fair to him to for the to be here in the prime <laughs> of his career. Now they're like, run him out of town. You're gonna run him out of town with all with talking so bad about him. So I just think it's ironic. Well, it's 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 terrible, man. You know what's crazy to, to think about, too, is that this guy's played 10 major league seasons at this point, and this is the first time there's ever been anything bad to say about him. You know how hard that is to do? Oh, it's got to be awful. But I think, you know, that's something as a player that, um, you know, a lot of guys read read the papers, read the, the comments, and, and pay attention to all that stuff because it's all gravy when you're doing well. Everybody loves you, and it's yeah. all this, you know, fun feedback to get for yourself. But yeah. it only takes once, you know, it only takes one situation yeah. like this for a guy to just kind of turn his this back shit. on all that forever. 
And kind of be unfortunate if it does. I don't think it'll change Freddie Freeman who he is. I don't think so. But in the back of his mind, he's got to be. He's going to remember how quickly they turned on him. You know, I mean. Well, the thing that sucks though is, it's like you said. You know, the noisy. It's it's a vocal. It's not the regular fan base because they'll no. He'll be greeted with a standing O on opening day or the the home opener. You know that because most of the fans love him, but. The squeaky wheel and all that, you know. I mean, the vocal minority is loud, man, in this age of social media and anonymity. And I, I think, you know, I think for him, I, I think it's important for him to understand that 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 is just a small portion of the fan base. Um, but as a fan, I think there's some responsibility there to tell people to shut the hell up. You know, if, if you're a real um, Braves fan and you understand what this guy just tried to do for the team, yeah. and you hear people kind of bashing a guy like that that's been who he's well, been to this franchise and he's been so good here, you tell him to shut up, you know, because you don't want that that um, you don't want that narrative getting any traction. Well, you know what? We got a uh, we got a special guest that I was I was hoping that we would be able to get this guy on today, and I just found out we're going to be able to. So, oh, wow. without further ado. We're going to bring in a special guest who will have, I think, some opinions on this subject that will carry a lot more weight than maybe some other opinions. And uh, without uh, further ado, I don't think he needs any introduction. Uh, Man only needs one name here in the Southeast, Chipper. Hey, Chipper Jones, welcome, man. Good to have you aboard. Thanks, guys. Uh, Sorry it took so long this morning, but... uh... When, hey. you have, when you have seven little babies running around, you know, some, some stuff goes sideways. <laughs> Two's enough for me. <laughs> Better late than never. Hey, listen, you uh, good timing, actually, because I think you will uh, have some pertinent <laughs> input into this, uh, opinions on this subject we were talking about. We're talking about how I'll, – I'll ask you about the division series in a minute, but right now we're talking about Freddie Freeman. He had surgery last week. Uh it was revealed after the surgery that he had what multiple bone spur formations in there, and he had three loose bodies. I think uh, uh, Doctor Alchek basically cleaned out the whole elbow, and then instead of, I guess I should have known better, but I thought a lot of people would be like me and think, Jesus, the dude was playing through some serious pain, you know, and he ended up having one of his best seasons until September, but instead. And I guess it's the mo- vocal minority. I should expect it on Twitter, but he got roasted by a lot of people. If, including some who called him selfish for playing hurt <laughs> and not and not sitting out or and then and then taking uh, snit to task for playing him every day rather than resting him as though that was going to help the bone spurs or the or or the, the the pain or the inflammation from I don't know what is your opinion on on Fred the what Freddie did how he played. And uh, and playing through the pain that he was obviously in for the whole season and never, you know, let on quite how bad it was to us, even though the team knew he was hurt. Well, hey, let's 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 not sugarcoat anything. Um, Freddie Freddie didn't play well. You know, he didn't he didn't swing the bat well. Um, whether the elbow uh, yeah. was the driving force in that, uh, I don't know. Um, he he tells yeah. me the same things he told y'all it's fine you know every once in a while a loose body gets caught right you know in a in a joint somewhere and it's extremely painful i've had it before um luckily my loose body's kind of moved on right. and and never really you know affected me to that uh extent before um i think if you listen to the twitter clowns 
you know, too much, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it'll, it'll, it'll piss you off. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. They, but what you do have to realize it is that they are a very, very small minority. And, you know, the, 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 the yeah. minority usually is the loudest, you know, the, the, the people who, who know what Freddie Freeman, uh, right. You know, means to this organization and, and to this team and, and to this city, you know, they just, they kind of sit back and, and let the loud talkers, you know, kind of blow out their own eardrums. It, it, you know, I almost responded to, to one of your tweets once you said that, um, uh, that Freddie, you know, had three loose bodies and I, yeah. I, there were probably 25 or 30 comments underneath your tweet yeah. that day. And 95% of them were all negative. And I read the mm. same things, yeah. um, that you did. And yeah, oh man, it took, off. <laughs> it, yeah. it took <laughs> a lot of self-restraint not to, not to get on there and, and start lashing back at some people. But, um, you know those guys aren't the aren't the real Braves fans, and uh, it's unfortunate because uh, it's unfortunate for Freddie because right. you know I'm sure that he had these loose bodies pretty much all yeah. year, you know, floating around. It's just bad timing yeah. that you know at the most important time they kind of got lodged in you know some bad spots caused him some pain. Kind of like Dansby the year before when he had the loose body in his uh, uh, his wrist that got in there at time to time and prevented him from playing. But um, Eric, Eric had a, had a comp, had interesting comment about, you know, Freddie has been, has never in his career really been subjected to, you know, subjected to this kind of criticism or that or dislike from any fans, you know, and he's such a nice guy, obviously, but it's just not his personality to ever lash out or anything. But do you, do you, even though, do you think he's smart enough or, or enough people will tell him, look, don't listen to those people? Or do you think in the back of the mind, uh, maybe this now uh, stains him as far as uh, feeling the way he feels so welcomed by Brace fans? Because he's never asked. He's never wanted to be traded. never complained about the rebuild. This is a guy that just did his job every day when the Brace tore it down after signing him to that long-term deal. Do you think that this could damage uh, how he feels about the the being here or do you think it's just uh he, he'll realize it's not it's not the majority of fans that feel that way i think he's smart enough to realize that uh that this is a very small minority look freddie's freddie's hurting his yeah. you know his his pride yeah. is yeah is hurting haven't talked to him he's he's embarrassed yeah. you know i mean he's never he's never gone through anything like this and and the fact of the matter is is you know, it's it's really his own doing. I mean, it's not that he did anything right. wrong. He's he just he wasn't swinging the bat well at a yeah. very inopportune time of the season. You know, and and um, <laughs> nothing will change that more than next October he goes out and hits yeah. you know five hundred in the division series with a couple of bombs and the Braves sweep and go on to the to the next round, you know, I mean, that's, that's the easiest way whenever you're, you know, you take a little hit, um, personally, you know, for, for me, and I know that Freddie is kind of wired the same way. That's a, that's a motivator, yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's, that gets you into the weight room that gets you into the batting cage here in the off season. And you pay a little bit more detention, yeah. attention to detail, um, and, and make sure that you're focused and ready to go come spring training to, to basically, you know, shut up all the naysayers. Yeah, man. I'm watching the Astros in this postseason, and, and, and I'm thinking how the Braves could not get a big hit and the Astros couldn't for the first five games, but they've getting, they've getting bombs when they need them. And Altuve, man, dude's got five home runs in this, in the last two series and 13 postseason homers in his, in his, uh, 43 postseason uh, games in his career. I mean, that's some clutch hidden that little dude does. Well, it's not just him either. Um, yeah, you Springer know. and Korea. I mean, they, and... Th- these these guys are um, experienced. And, yeah. They're experienced. They're they're calm. You can tell that whenever you get into the postseason, the side that slows the game down the most, okay, because it can go at a frantic pace, mm. you know, in the postseason. And the side that can slow the game down the most is usually the ones, you know, that, that advance. And I can remember, you know, back in the, in the late nineties, uh, mid nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, the, the Yankees were so good at slowing down the game. And, and it just seemed like they were out that we were out there playing, you know, nuclear fast baseball and they were playing slow pitch softball, you know, and, and, they just handled it better than we did. And and now you can see that the Astros kind of have that that same ability to be able to slow that and the fact that they have Cole and Verlander and Grinky, you know, certainly yeah. Oh, yeah. certainly <laughs> doesn't hurt anything either. Um, but their hitters, like you said, they just I don't know who's preparing them. I guess it's Troy Snicker over there and uh yeah, in Houston is doing a, a good job <laughs> at giving these guys a wealth of knowledge as to as to how they're going to be pitched and and man they just seem more prepared than everybody else. Yeah, they've been big on the analytics for several years, man. It right. seems to be showing. Right. Um, hey, it's been a couple of weeks. I, I wanted to get your thought your thoughts on the dis- division series loss to the Cardinals. You've certainly been part of some Braves teams that felt like you should have advanced, and including at least one that I think most you and everybody else thought should have won a World Series. Did you feel that way about this Braves teams that it that it was good enough and should have could have advanced a step or two further than it did? It seemed like they gave away, for lack of a better term, game games one and four, depending on how you want to view them. They could have won yeah, either of those. We we also could have been given game three. You know, I mean, yeah, so true. there's a there's a bunch of different ways to look at. Yes, I mean, on paper, uh, looking at it objectively, uh, I would say that the Braves had a better team. Um, you know, um, but as, as we have come to find out here in Atlanta, you know, the best team doesn't, doesn't always advance. Um, you know, they, um, the Braves didn't do certain parts of, uh, of their game, uh, whether that's starting pitching, relief pitching, timely hitting and defense, they yeah. didn't do very well in, yeah. you know, any of those categories, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, you had the, the, the bright spot in game two where, where Fulte, uh, beat Flaherty, 
Um, and Fulte was, was amazing. You know, um, that was really the one game from top to bottom that the Braves played like the Braves played all season, you know? And, uh, but other than that, you know, uh, one part of the game or the other just kind of, kind of fell apart and, you know, don't even get me started on, on game five, but, um, yeah, yeah, one and one and four were just games where I think if, uh, certainly game four, if the, if the Braves play ABC baseball, yeah, um, they win that game, you know, there, there were two at bat, three at bats in that game that really kind of stuck out to me. Um, you know, where a, a, a runner moved up or, you know, uh, getting a guy in from third base with less than two outs wins yeah, no you outs. No outs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you had uh, two at-bats by Albies um, and successive ABs where, yeah. um, one, he didn't get a guy over or he didn't get Acuna mm-hmm. over to third base with less than two outs. Now Freddie is forced to have to get a base hit to, to score a run. And then obviously the uh, the Sun triple, you know, with nobody out. Yeah. I think leading off what, the seventh or eighth, and yeah. you know, a, a ground out into a drawn in infield, and and uh, and Freddie strikes out against uh, Andrew Miller. Yeah. You know, uh, right after that, so those three at bats, uh, I really feel like kind of kind of turned the. The, the tide of the series and the momentum towards uh, towards St. Louis and, and the Braves just couldn't recover. And Soroka pitched his ass off in game three. Um, I understood. I know why they made the decision to pitch him in game three. It's because of the road stats. I mean, it was the best road ERA in the majors. Did you agree with that? Uh, or did you have a problem with only with Soroka only touching the ball, you know, one, one start in a five game series? Um, I, 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 I think we learned our lesson. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> regardless of what you think, right, um, right. You know, Dallas Keuchel was brought in here. He was the number one starter. If he's available uh, to start game one and, and game four or game five, you yeah. certainly can't argue with that. I mean, that's right. why he was brought in here. He was right. He was supposed to to you know uh, be that bell cow. Um, right. I think going forward, <laughs> we'll definitely see, you know, Soroka uh, and Freed uh, probably at the top end of the rotation whenever we uh, whenever we uh, make it into a, a postseason series from here on out. It's just whether or not, uh, you know, road splits, home splits, yeah. I don't care. He's going to give you a chance to win every yeah. single time out. And uh, especially in the postseason, man, you got to have that got to have that guy at or near the top of the rotation. How much did, yep. did uh, Soroka impress you this year, 21 years old? Phenomenal. I mean, uh, like you said, just the poise and, and <sighs> yeah, nothing ever seemed to rattle him. For a kid that young to be able to do what he did in hostile environments time after time on the road uh, was just, was very impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I said early on, he kind of, you know, he develops his, uh, repertoire a little more. Um, you're looking at a, you're, you're looking at the second coming of a Greg Maddox, you know, uh-huh. um, when he 
develops that change up some more and, and, you know, is able to maybe draw an X on both sides of the plate like Doggy did. And what I mean by that is uh, on the inside corner to a right-handed hitter, he can cut the ball and uh-huh. sink the ball, make it go two different directions on both sides of the plate. Um, now you're talking about the ability to uh, to harken back to, to good times when I used to watch Greg Maddox carve up lineups uh, at will. So he's definitely got that ability. The Braves have a, a superstar and, and a top-of-the-rotation guy going forward for the next – you know, however long, I, I, I dare say, I think uh, yeah. Mike Soroka might be the next guy that the Braves try and like lock up long, long term. Yeah. And that would be smart on, on their behalf. Yeah. Eric, you'd agree with that, right? It's sooner the better, you know, as you might be able to steal a few years or get get one of those discount deals. Uh-huh. I mean, if they, the, the contracts they got Ozzy and uh, Acuna under, if you get him under something like that, too, man, you're looking at just a bright future locking those guys down. I wouldn't hesitate at all, especially with his maturity. And you want, and and you right away said that you thought that uh, it was a mistake not pitching him in game one or two, you know, because yeah, you know, it's not something I want to be right about. You know, I didn't want to be right about that, but I just thought that you know, going into the postseason, everything goes out the window. It's such a different. I mean, even at home, you're on the road. It's such a different atmosphere than what you're used to doing all year. Um, It's just a different ball game. So I, I felt like if you could get him to throw just two games in that series any way possible. I felt like you had to do it. Hey, if you're not listening to Seth Emerson and Rennie Coran on the Athletics Georgia Bulldogs podcast called Damn Good Podcast, then get your shit together and tune in. In Monday's episode, Rennie, who was once a linebacker for the Bulldogs, analyzed Georgia's defense in their shutout win against Kentucky. It was a good bounce-back win for the Dogs. Make sure to click the follow button on the Damn Good Podcast show page for updates when new episodes release. Now back to us. We've talked, uh, Eric and I have talked at length about Brian McCann. Eric says that he he really, nothing short of changed Eric's, the course of his life because of his career. He, he, he made such an impact on his career and that he's living where he's living now and retired and has money because of Brian McCann. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and I've heard other pitchers say the same thing. What, uh, what are your thoughts on Brian McCann and watching him, uh, playing with him for so long, knowing him, you know, from the time he came up as a kid? Uh, Chip, what what impressed you most about BMAC? Um, just his outlook, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I can sit here and, you know, all day and talk about, you know, seven-time Silver Slugger and eight-time All-Star and, you know, uh-huh. how good a, uh, how good he was with young pitchers and, um, how he stepped right in and heck he hit fourth fifth six for the Braves for for a long time. I can talk about all that stuff to him blowing the face. But this guy, I mean, what people love about Brian McCann is the fact that he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. You know, yeah. I mean I, I can't how many Eric, I mean, I I can't remember a day that he didn't walk into the clubhouse and didn't have a smile on his face wasn't you know wasn't jovial i mean he 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 just he was a barrel of laughs i mean and his outlook you know every day hey b mac what you gonna do today i'm gonna do damage you know he just <laughs> always had that positive outlook that just you know and, and he was one of my favorite locker mates we you know 
you guys know we, we kind of shared either side of the the hallway going back to the to the training yeah. room and, and showers uh, back at, at Turner Field and you know his his locker would would spill out into other people's <laughs> lockers and out <laughs> into the hallway he was just a messy 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 <laughs> human being sweaty you know? but it was everybody loved it and, and everybody just he's got that magnetic personality that people just gravitate to and you know the fact that he's you know was a great baseball player on top of that um yeah. was was just a was just a bonus you know i mean uh, i i can't ever remember anybody ever saying a negative thing yeah about brian mccann and and those are the kind of teammates you you know you want you look back fondly on now that now that it's over that's what you miss, man. You miss being around guys like that on a daily basis that, you know, you just just one interaction with the guy just brings you up and makes your day because he might make fun of himself for being fat and sweaty. You know, yeah. you come in and, and you come and he, he was the ringleader. You know, we had some some characters back in yeah. that back, you know, the backside of that uh, clubhouse back in the day, whether it was Eric Hinsky and Tim yeah. Hudson, you had Pete Moylan, you had David Ross, Ugla. Uh, Freddie Freeman was back there. I mean, it, <laughs> you want to talk about a motley crew of characters and, and, and B Mac was the, he was the ringleader, you know, it, it was like, he got it all started. They, they all yielded to him whenever he spoke up because, you know, he was, he was the man. Chipper, I've, Eric and I thought he would be of of the the guys on this team that he would be the guy that would be most likely to be a great manager, but neither of us think he'll do it because they got the no. kids and made money and he spent a lot of time. I mean, he's, you know, he didn't have the time to probably to, to be a manager, at least not for the foreseeable future. But if you wanted to do it, could you see him being a great manager? Yeah. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, you know, he's an incredibly grounded father yeah. and husband. And I think that, uh, you know, <sighs> I, I'm not gonna say he 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 won't ever do it, um, right. but he his his son is a pretty good player. Yeah, and, I've heard and that. I think he wants to uh, you know step aside and, and make sure that he takes time to to spend with with them during you know the developmental years. Yeah. And uh, you know his wife Ashley, they they do a lot of great stuff in the community. Um, you know, going to their rally foundation here first week of November. They've been doing that for forever. And yeah. I think I think B Mac is you when I talk to him at the end of the, the, the season, you know, fifteen, sixteen years of of catching every day has has taken its toll. You know, yeah. and and I think once, you know, Valentine's Day gets here and he yeah. doesn't have to go to spring training somewhere, yeah. you're really going to see him kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, yeah. let's let's start the next chapter of, of my life. Um, baseball could certainly be a part of that somewhere down the road. But uh, I know this, if I was uh, Alex Anthopoulos, yeah. I would certainly approach BMAC uh, yeah. about, uh, you know, some kind of position. Any job. Right. Yeah, some kind of position in the organization just to keep um, that experience and that personality around yeah. the Atlanta Braves can only help. Yeah, I mean, 
to have him at their disposal to be able to come out and work with a guy, that kind of thing would be ideal, right? I mean, to have him That's what there. he'll do. Well, speaking of uh, former teammates you love playing with, I know you've mentioned this guy several times as right at the very top. Um, I've said I think the best hire the Braves could make off the field this offseason, and, and not including BMAC because he's made it pretty clear what he's, he's not going to dive right back into this thing. But And I don't know if he's available, if he'll leave Miami, but I think that the Braves should move heaven and earth to try to get Martin Prado on the staff, in the organization, somehow back and back for good. What what would what what do you think of that? Uh, I think it's uh, a, would be a great move. Um, this guy was, uh, <clears throat> you know, he was the position player, kind of, you know, kind of that most resembled B Mac. You know, I think right. he's great yeah, right. for the for the young Latin guys. Right, um, a barrel of laughs, you know, in the in, in the clubhouse. You know, he he backed me up. He was a kind of our super utility for for so many years. But what I loved and respected about him was he could he could turn it on and off, man. I mean, he he was like, you know, this happy go lucky guy in the clubhouse. But he was probably one of the more intense guys. Yeah, once game time started, oh, yeah. that I've yeah. ever played with. I mean. You know, he didn't ever want to make an out. He didn't ever not want to make a play in the field. And if he, you know, if he failed at all, he took himself to task big time, you know, and, and yeah, it drove him, um, you know, a tough at bat every single time up, uh, hit the ball from foul, probably a better hitter uh, when he had two strikes, yeah. you know, than, 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 you know, ahead in the count, you know, because he really bared down, tried to put the ball in play, hit the ball from foul pole to foul pole, but just a, a, a solid, solid player that uh, that we miss, you know, here in, in Atlanta. He was uh, a fan favorite. Um, the, 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 the crowds loved him because they saw the intensity, you know, in his play and, and they saw his personality off the field from time to time. And, and, uh, I think that would be another great hire, whether he's on the staff or, or in the front office, um, Martin Prado will be a huge addition to this, you know, and if, who knows, uh, if, if Wash gets yeah, the job, exactly. And, yeah, that's what I was thinking. The, the, the Braves, you know, would, would, would certainly have an opening. God, that's what I was thinking. He'd be perfect in that role. Um, I just thought the influence, because I know he tra- kind of transcends uh, ethnicity, ethnicities and Big ages time. and all that. He kind of brings everybody together. I just thought the influence that he has, because he's like a mentor to Acuna. He know he's he knew he played with uh, Ronald's dad briefly in winter ball uh, in Venezuela, right. and he's always talking to Acuna when the Braves play the Marlins. I just thought the influence that he could have on Acuna and Ozzy. And other guys too, but just to be around Acuna on a daily basis, I mean, Acuna is such a huge part of the Braves' future that to mm-hmm. be able to have a guy like that around could be, to me, invaluable to be around every day to talk to him. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, you know, uh, certainly when you're when you're young, having having been one of those players, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain people talk to you and it goes in one ear and out mm-hmm. the other. Yeah, you need uh, a, a a, a voice in the clubhouse that uh, that is like E.F. Hutton, you know. Yeah. When, when, mm-hmm. when he speaks, people listen. Yeah. You know, I think, and, and you really, 
like you said, uh, Prado kind of transcends. He does, you know, uh, through through all races and ethnicities because you know people respect him, yeah, and, and respect how he plays and 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 whatnot. And a voice like that would certainly be one that I think Ronald could lean on. Uh, yeah. could would certainly listen to. Um, you know, there there were there were guys like that back when I played that even I went to because of the language barrier uh with Latin players, you know, you you'd go to Julio Franco and say, Hey, um maybe maybe mention this to him, you know, and, and Julio was yeah. great about that. Right. You know? right. Um because I I mean I could understand what they were talking about, but I couldn't I couldn't right. speak Spanish you know, that well. Right. And, and you certainly don't want lines to get blurred when you're, when you're talking about the kind of detail it takes to, to play at that level. Um, so it's very important to have, I think, you know, the bridge, <laughs> those, those, those Latin guys that have been around the block a little bit yeah. that are well-respected within the game, have them in that clubhouse because, uh, yeah. um, you have a budding superstar, yeah. In Ronald Acuna. I said it from from you know the time yeah. he was in double A and I saw him within the first two or three years that this kid is gonna be in the game, he's gonna be a top five player. Yeah. You know, and, and we're seeing that kind of come to fruition. You know, there's some rough edges to him uh that we have to smooth out and you're gonna have the next hopefully Mike Trout you know, going right. forward with, with a guy like Ronald Acuna. I mean, 40 homers, yeah. uh, uh, damn near 40 bags, um, the ability to hit 300. I, I still think he can, he can put the ball in play more and, and, and get up over that 300 benchmark. Uh-huh. If that's the case, watch out. I mean, cause you're talking about, you're talking about the numbers that, uh, you know, Mike Trout puts up every year. You're talking about MVP Bryce Harper type numbers. Yeah. You're talking about uh, Miguel Cabrera type numbers, and and that is certainly going to propel him and superstardom. And Freddie and Nick both were talking about how when he starts to view like uh, uh, walks as a plus rather than kind of disdain them, which he started to draw more walks at times this season. But but they said when he starts to 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 realize how good it is to draw a walk and that you know fouling off pitches is good, that he's really going to go to another level. Uh, that it's all there. I mean, it, uh, that just comes with age and experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you're 21 years old, <laughs> yeah. look, you ain't walking off the island. You're, you're <laughs> swinging your way off the island. Yeah. You know, what I mean, you're not you're just like. You know, my, my pops always told me whenever you're in a slump, you ain't going to walk your way out of a slump. You're going to have yeah. to swing your way out of it, you know. And and um, that's you, you don't want to mess with that aggressiveness. It's just got to come, yeah. you know, right. the, the, the discipline has to come on its own, you know, yeah. both, both at the plate and, and away from the plate. You know, I mean, there's yeah. – <laughs> Some discipline that needs to be learned with Ronald Acuna, but man, you don't want to mess with that aggressiveness because, yeah, I, you know, you can, I can, I could be walking through the dugout and the Braves would be taking BP. And when the ball comes off his bat, I don't even have to be looking. Yeah. I can tell you who's hitting. You know, <laughs> That's it's crazy. Just a different, different sound when the ball <laughs> comes off his bat that, 
you know, is very, very special. And, and we, we, we need to keep him happy. We need to keep yeah. him aggressive. <laughs> we need to keep him disciplined. And you're, you're going to have the best player in the game here pretty soon. You told me two years ago that you thought he would be, I, th- I think you said one of the top three or four players in a game within a, within uh, maybe, I think you said three or four years. And then I saw you a year later and you said, I might have underestimated him. <laughs> but because <laughs> he, but, uh, and I, and I've, and I've told anybody that's asked that he's the best prospect I've ever covered in 25 years of doing this stuff, the most t- talented guy I've ever, ever seen coming up. Um, I was I had left the Marlins before Miggy was coming up, so I couldn't say that if Miggy was there, but or not. But uh, we've talked. Eric and I have talked about it at length too, about kind of the way he plays the, with a little flamboyance and all that, and how that's today's player, and you don't want to rein that in, and how it's like you said, uh, some discipline to be learned, but uh, you don't want to you don't want to you know cut his nuts off or anything, and and but there is a fine line and um like you've like we all said there's nothing wrong with pimping a home run or whatever but you got to damn sh- well make sure it's 10 rows deep in the stands before you do that is would you agree <laughs> yeah it, it always turns out a little better for you if it's 10 rows <laughs> you know uh, uh deep but uh, here's 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 the thing you know and, and Bryce Harper found this out you know, early on in his career and you're starting to see, you know, it took its toll on him and he's kind of toned things down right. uh, a little bit, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, it, 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 you know, people, people are criticizing the Braves for trying to rein right. in his enthusiasm. Right. Freddie um, Freeman and yeah, for calling uh, him out. Right, 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 right. But, but okay. So, um, Martinez and, and, and Flaherty and, and Urania and, and what are they just picking on him just just because they yeah. don't like him? No, yeah. they're 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 teaching him. They're disciplining him, you know, yeah. and he's going to get to the point one of these days where yeah. he's going to get tired of yeah. dodging 95, you know, <laughs> or, or getting 95 yeah. in the ribs or getting 95 in the elbow, you know, um, this game. <laughs> this game will never, no matter how much the, the, the Twitter keyboard clowns don't <laughs> want it to, this game will always police itself. Yeah. If somebody on the other side does something to show up another uh, 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 one of the opponents, he will get dotted at some point. <laughs> that, that's just that's the way it is. It happened yeah. to me. It happened to Andrew. It happened to anybody that had a little bit of flair, anybody who might have bat flipped a, yeah. a, a guy who didn't appreciate it. Right. He's going to get dotted. You saw Julio Tehran. This is one of the reasons I love Julio Tehran. <laughs> Bryce Harper yeah. pimped oh, a yeah. home run excessively in Washington. And Julio didn't wait until the next time he faced him in in, him. in uh, Atlanta where, you know, he had home fans. The next time up, the next pitch, he put a ball between the three and the four in the middle of his back. <laughs> and that is the kind of guy that I want pitching for me. I want a bulldog. Yeah. I don't want to – I want a yeah. no-nonsense competitor out there on the mound. And 
that's the reason why Julio has hung around as uh, you know as long as he has here and is is well respected as he is because he's a bulldog. Yeah. He takes the ball every fifth day and he goes out and he does his job uh, to the best of his ability. Going back to Acuna though, it, it, you know you don't want to you don't want to rein in that enthusiasm. Right. No, but you have to pick your spots and right. you certainly do not need to be you know pimping balls that aren't. <laughs> Pimpable, yeah, you know. Right. I mean, uh, how many times during the course of the year, whether it's you know uh, uh, not getting the second, right? Uh, you know, on a ball off the wall yeah. when Car- ninety yeah. feet in the playoffs is everything. And carrying your bat to first everything. base, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, carrying the bat halfway down to first base. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a, a point in the season where. You know, ball was hit up the middle, and he loafed to it, and guy got a double out of it. You know, things like that cannot happen. But things like that are going to happen with a young, exuberant, 20, 21-year-old outfielder from time to time. And you have to to address it then and there, or it's going to keep happening. And, you know, hopefully – this was it, it was a wonderful season for Ronald Acuna this year. Yeah. Uh, had a great season. Uh, hopefully, he got as as much out of it, uh, 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 learning what not to do, uh, yeah. more so than you know, um, you know, all the good things that he did on the you know on the field, you know, in his performance. Uh, that's that's the thing that that. Uh that perplexes me is that the, the fanboys, what I like, the, the ones that are bigger fans of Acuna than they are of the team, because yeah. for some reason they act like the Braves don't want this guy to be himself and be great. When the Braves have more invested, far more invested in him than any of them do. I mean, this guy is crucial to the to the organization's long term being. So they want him to be his best. So. Right. Everything they do is with that in mind, and I don't understand why people can't grasp that. That when his <laughs> veteran teammates are calling him out after a game, like B Mac and Freddie and everybody else who was asked did, it, you know, they were asked. That's why they said it. Right. But they w- they wouldn't have done it if they didn't think that it was going to help him and the team. The tough Correct. love, man. Tough love is important. You need that, yeah. especially and, you know. And, and the- Eric, you know as well as I do, you know you. For for something to uh, be made public, like it's got to be bad. It's it's yeah. already been dis- It's already been discussed. It's already been yeah brought right. up behind I, closed doors. Well, that's what I told Dave. I said, you know, it got to the point where Freddie's saying it's like beating a dead yeah. horse. That that told me that like they they're tired of going through it, you know, and yeah. and it's not that they don't still love him. You know, your yeah. little brother messes up. You got to discipline him. You got to put him in his place, but you still love him. He's still your little brother. It's right. not like these guys turned on him. They're just saying like, hey, dude, we, we got to draw the line here, okay? We yeah. need you to get on second base when you're a 40-40 candidate and you hit a ball halfway up the wall. You got to be on second. And it's not that they don't love him. It's not that they turned on him. It's just you know what's best for your little brother, so you you treat him accordingly, you know? And, and, the, and, and the funny thing is, is you can get on – you know, you can you can start interacting with these guys on Twitter, and 
it's it's almost like they have a microphone and a camera in the clubhouse. Like they know exactly what's going <laughs> yeah. on. It's not like you know the guy who actually works for the organization yeah. and actually yeah. walks through the clubhouse and the dugout and knows exactly what's going on behind the scenes that other people don't. They will still yeah. argue. With yes. You, yeah. No we, matter what and. I mean, you don't want to put people well, in their place, I, but sometimes they need to be put in their place. Um, but you nailed it. You nailed it with with Acuna and the handling of it behind the scenes. It yeah. has been addressed and addressed and addressed. And at some point, you know, any reporter worth the salt, like Dob, is going to go in and say, <laughs> "I've seen it multiple times. Has this been addressed?" You know, and. Yeah you as a leader it can't be ignored it can't yeah. be ignored it, it just it can't be and i think if if what is being said behind closed doors in the dugout in the clubhouse is not resonating then yeah. maybe a little uh, a, a tinge of humiliation or embarrassment yeah in the newspaper maybe that'll get his attention because right. that's making it outside the the and, and if it does then it was well placed criticism. And I think people don't people don't understand that you know how tough a love you can accept and 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 the stuff you go through in a clubhouse, how hard your teammates are on you, regardless of whether you're a superstar yeah. or not. Like the mm-hmm. standards that that teammates have for each other, they're so high to do everything right, man. And, and there's just a standard set where any guy on the team that 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 does something like that. You know the twenty four other guys are extremely disappointed in you, and we're able to handle it. You know you can take yeah. that criticism. You know you're wrong. It's not. It's not like this thing where you know I'm just humiliated and embarrassed, and I think my team's out to get me. But if yeah. if that is how you feel, sometimes you do need like a Martin Prado or somebody that can relay that message and convey it in a way where it's like, dude, we want the best for you. We love you, but you can't yeah. do this. You know, it, it doesn't have to be personal and an attack. It can just be. You know, this is this is what we expect out of you because we love you that much and we have these high standards for you. You know, this is what we expect out of you. We know what you're capable of. Well, I told some guy I told some guy on Twitter that he just rails on and on about how Acuna, they're gonna run him out of town. He's not gonna to want to play here. I said not going anywhere. Fortun- fortunately, <laughs> Acuna is not a, a wuss. He doesn't have his little feelings no. hurt like so many people think seem to think on Twitter that he does. Their yeah. feelings are, are a lot more hurt than his are. He's yeah. a proud dude that's going to keep playing his ass off. He's going to keep yeah. balling, and you yep. know, you, and these lessons are going to eventually go through, get through to him. So, yep. I, and I couldn't believe when people ripped Snit for that time uh, when he took him out of the game against the Dodgers. Uh, another time where he didn't get a standard get a procedure, right? And he took him out of the game, and then Snit talked to him, you know, in the dugout or whatever, and they ripped him for not doing it behind closed doors for embarrassing the kid. I'm like, Bobby Cox <laughs> pulled Andrew Jones off the field in the middle yep. of an inning. Yep. <laughs> and, and and I guarantee you, if you ask Andrew, yep. Bobby Cox is a father yeah. to Andrew. Yep. And, and Bobby will probably tell you that Andrew yep. was his favorite player that he ever managed. You know, yeah, would, sometimes – those are people you respect the most, though, the ones 100%. that put you in your place and teach you those hard yeah. lessons. You know, yeah. in the end, those are the people you wind up looking back on. Like for me, I look back at David Ross and how many times he held me accountable and put me in my place when I thought we were boys. Right. 
And he yeah. still crushed me and told me how stupid what I just did was and it can't happen again. <laughs> I look back at him. I'm like, God damn, I'm glad I came across this guy in my life, you know, because of how much I learned from him giving me that tough love. So it's not, you know, it's not ill intentions at all. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the thing about tough love. When, when, when I give somebody tough love, I, I'm, I'm also sending a message that, that when, when you're here, when you're doing this, when you're playing, when you're working, you better come correct. Yep. Okay. Don't, don't, don't be bringing all the BS around me. I am here to get my work done. I am here to win. And if if you have a a bunch, if if you're not coming correct and not focused and, and you got a bunch of BS around you, I'm going to say something. And you might not like it. Right? And if you that's let it just, slide, that's, that's when it that's when it grows into something that you know something terrible. But having guys like Chipper and 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 B Mac and Rossi to hold you accountable, you just don't do those things, man. And you just you learn that lesson once and you keep moving. Yep. I uh, yeah, I always say Barry Bonds. The only guy that ever chewed out Barry Bonds, cussed him out to his face, was Jim Leland, and he's the guy. Jim Leland is the guy that Barry Bonds says he respects more than anybody else in the game. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, we uh, you know, speaking, Eric and I were talking about that game in Boston the other day, Chipper, <laughs> <laughs> the, the infamous day when you and Bobby both got chewed out. What What do you remember most about that incident? <laughs> what happened uh, that day? Um, I remember uh, it was uh, Billy Hahn behind the plate. Yeah. Yep. There, there was no love loss between the Atlanta Braves and Billy Hahn. I mean, Already, if, if, if Hahn was behind the plate, somebody was getting thrown out of the game. It was probably going to be Bobby, um, probably a pitcher, maybe me. You know, he he was probably the only. I think he was the only guy who threw me out multiple times. Yeah, um, but he just he seemed like one of those guys that just kind of carried a grudge, carried a chip on his shoulder. Um, had rabbit ears. I mean, heard everything, every little yeah, chirp. Right. And um, he just wasn't a very good umpire. I mean, there, there's, there's, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. You know, he's, yeah. he just wasn't a very good ball strike umpire. Uh-huh. And he was, on top of that, he was very confrontational. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you, I don't mind you being a bad umpire. Or having a bad day, right? But right. hey, let's talk about it. Let's look. Can I, can I express my displeasure with not seeing eye to eye with you and not have you get upset about it? You know, and and there were very few that could could actually do that. But right, Billy was. Uh, you know, the thing that kind of set me off that day, other than him missing a ball right down the middle to to JD, JD Drew. Drew. Uh, for strike three that would have gotten us out of the inning and prevented Eric from throwing the cement mixture right down the middle of the next pitch. For the double I did throw a shitty wall. pitch. <laughs> uh, it was not a good but, pitch. Um, Billy baited. He, he baited O'Flaherty, you know, Eric into uh, into that ejection. You know, he, he yeah. when Bobby came out, yeah. Eric said, how can you miss that? How yeah. can you miss that? And you could see Billy Hahn walk out from behind the plate, kind of walking down the third baseline. Yeah. And he had his eyebrows up and he was like, 
what did you say? What yeah. did you say? Like baiting him to say more. Yeah. And of course, Eric obliged. I was coming so, out anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Eric got run. And at that point, that's when I went off. Chipper snapped. And, 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 you know, I don't, I don't agree with, you know, uh, uh, a, an umpire trying to get into another man's pocket, you know, because they know that mm. when we get ejected, you know, we get fined, you know, and, right. and Eric was coming out of the game anyway. There's no reason. <laughs> it wasn't like he was MFing him up and down and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I don't even think you said a, a curse word to him, Eric, if I, I didn't. remember rightly. But I said enough for both of us. All of us. You know? and, I, uh, I aged like five years that, that day. <laughs> I felt like a man after that. Uh, I, I, uh, certainly, I certainly made reference to his porn stash. Um, you know, and, and maybe there, the, there might have been a douchebag in there. Uh, he said nice I, porn I, stash, douchebag. Those are like, that was your closing words. <laughs> I, I may have questioned the ancestry of his mother i'm not sure <laughs> I, I can't remember but yeah bobby and i were soon to uh, soon to follow hell half our team was up in the clubhouse you know for the for the last couple innings of the game we we were all getting tossed i was but gonna yeah, say that was something one, that was and one then... of the more funnier uh ejections that i that i can remember there were some really, great photos that day too. The, the AP photographer that day was on it, man, because he's got the, the photos of you <laughs> screaming and Bobby saw it screaming, and, and it, was, it was a it was a misty, cold day in Boston. It was just perfect, man. yeah, man. And, and I just I remember I was I was in his ear at one point, and then the next thing I know, something or TP someone came. picks me up and just TP. completely removes me from from the area and I, I wanted to fight whoever had me. i mean that's how hot i was and then i turned around and realized it was terry pendleton and i was like yeah hey, I, I might not want to fight <laughs> man i was gonna say something to han you know I, I mean he tossed me and i got all pissed off i pissed off i gave up the double and whatnot and i got about halfway to him and then chipper and bobby just swarmed his ass and I realized I just had nothing to contribute, so I just walked to the dugout. <laughs> yeah, like, the, you're like, I'll let the experts take care of this. Yeah, I, I, I can't bring to, this I kind think, of heat. <laughs> you know, I probably witnessed the better part of what a hundred of of Bobby's, Bobby's hundred and however 60s. many he had. He had a full he had a full season's worth of ejections. That's yeah. what it was. Okay, well, I know I saw at least a hundred of them then. So you learn. You learn some things, you know. You you learn how he tries to skate by without getting ejected, yeah, and then yeah. you you know, like I could tell from his trot. Like yeah, he's, when when yeah. Bobby's trotting out there yeah. to argue yeah. with an umpire, I know <laughs> when he's going to get tossed and when he's going to put it mildly. You know, yeah. he's, he's just got a different yeah. a different gear to that trot, a different intensity to that trot that I'm like, uh-oh, I know somebody better get hold Bobby back because <laughs> he's not going to be here long. And, and you, you, you learn verbally what you can get away with, what you can't. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, uh, the, the more abrasive uh, comments come out of your mouth, you know, the faster you're going to go. But there is a tactic tactful yeah. way to to kind of get your point across and kind of jab the umpire but but still stay in the game and that was that was always fun to watch 
Man, I, 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 it was like a, it was like going to school watching McCann handle umpires this year. He's got so much gravitas at this point of his career that he would stand there sometimes after an inning for thirty seconds, forty seconds, talking to an ump and just stating everything about that inning, what he agreed or disagreed. And he did the same thing sometimes after an at bat when he'd stand there, and he got yeah. away with a lot. I think that other guys wouldn't because of the way he handled it. He didn't Earned show him it. up. He just stood there talking to him. I don't think it. there's any doubt. I think you keep your mask on and, yeah. you know, uh, the crowd can't see your, right. you know, your your tone or, or read anything out of that. That's that's a good way to handle it. Um, I had a – there's a great BMAC story. It was This was actually in spring training. And, uh, uh, you know, Joe West was behind the plate and BMAC – you know, there was a, a pitch but l- like the one O'Flaherty threw to to <laughs> JD Drew in in uh in Boston and you know B Mac didn't turn around, didn't you know, didn't show up Joe West in, in any way, yeah. shape, or form. And yeah. B Mac says, Joe, you got that ball down? And Joe <laughs> started to say something. <laughs> and B Mac goes, the middle. joe west threw him out of the game in spring training no way (laughs) didn't curse nothing yeah just hey hey joe you got that ball down the middle and man he tossed him for that joe didn't like it and he he tossed him in spring training but i will tell you this you know um joe respects the hell out of out of b mac and and i think you know you treat people the way a professional should be treated, you get that respect back, you know, yeah, sevenfold. Yeah. And, and you certainly saw that, you know, with B Matt. Now, if we can if we can get the younger generation to kind of follow in that ilk, right, right. you know, with being a professional, acting like you've done it before and, and still yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with exuberance and having fun playing the game. We all did that, you know? Yeah. Um but uh, the key word there, or the key phrase, is being a professional. The uh, you you heard the story about when when uh, Joe West threw out Przinsky, right? In in a spring training game, I did not. Przinsky is uh, it was a real it was a hot day, and I think Przinsky just wanted to get out of there. But I think it was the first inning, <laughs> and uh, there were a couple of questionable questionable pitches, and Przinsky uh, got a ball from Joe. And he said, Joe, can I have another one? And one that you can see? <laughs> <laughs> well, AJ AJ was the 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 king of the of the kidney kidney jab. You know, I mean yeah, he, he was. He had some good ones, you know. Yeah. Um a lot of people didn't like playing against uh, AJ, yeah. but uh, yeah. having him having him on your side, you you kind of learned. You learned to love about. him. Yeah. You learned to love him. Yeah. Yeah. He went over and told Freddie. Uh, Joe walked over and told Freddie that uh, Brzezinski's out. We need another catcher in here that can play better in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> Joe was Joe was pretty good at the one-liners too. Yeah, no Joe shit. Joe was pretty good. The Hall of Fame's coming up again here, Chipper, and the voting and um, and and these guys that uh, I'm talking about probably aren't going to be relevant as far as the voting because they're so far from it or they're no longer eligible. But now I think the Harold Baines election by the Veterans Committee or what is called the, Vet- the Veterans Committee is now called the Era Committee. I think his election last year 
kind of changes the the parameters on this and and uh, moves the bar a little bit, so to speak. Um, and I'm specifically talking about a trio of former Braves that, in my opinion, I thought were kind of uh, maybe a lot of people thought were borderline, and I understood why they were borderline. McGriff, I don't even know why he's borderline. To me, he's a Hall of Famer, period, end of story. But when Harold Baines gets elected, to me, I don't understand how you can, at least with the Veterans Committee, say that Andrew Jones, Fred McGriff, and Dale Murphy don't belong in the Hall of Fame if Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm I'm a little biased and a little jaded, but I 100% agree. You know, whenever I make a, a statement or a decision, I try and take all bias out of it and right, you right. know try and answer objectively as objectively as i can and i 100 percent agree on all all three of those guys i mean hey harold baines getting in can do nothing but help their cases okay right, right. you know you're talking let's let's start chronologically dale murphy two-time mvp yeah gold gloves was nip and tuck with the the George Bretts and the Mike Schmitz for Mike Schmidt, you yeah. know some of the best probably one of the top five best players in the game for a decade. You know? Yeah, no um doubt. did he hit three hundred? No. But he's got close to four hundred homers, um, played the crap out of some outfield, you yeah. know, and was an icon here in the southeast United States for the Atlanta Braves. I mean, yeah. he was as good as it got. Fred McGriff, 500 homers. Yeah. That's, you know? a, that's a crazy. Oh, okay, so he was seven short. And he, he would have had him if not for the strike. He would have had him if not for yeah, the strike. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I don't understand that. And That's crazy. He should he Andrew, belongs in a hall. Andrew, Andrew, for a decade, was the best center fielder in the game. You know, you can, yeah. you can sit here and, and – throw me Ken Griffey Jr. all you want. Yeah. Defensively, yeah. Andrew Jones is the best center fielder that any of us have seen. Yeah. Any of us. Yeah. All right. I, some 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 people may have seen Mays and, and he 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 might have been better. But the ones that we've seen, there's nobody better. He's got 10 right. gold gloves to back it up. I can't Ten straight I can't gold think gloves. of a better way to dominate a decade than to win ten straight gold gloves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, four hundred plus homers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> ton of our no slouch at the plate either. You know, yeah. I mean, I just, but like you know, like you brought up the fact that Harold Baines, um, you know, did make it in, and and I played against Harold. Harold was a hell of a hitter. Hell of yeah. a hitter. Um. Uh, the fact that he made it in only can strengthen um, those guys' chances to 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 get in, and you know, certainly one day I hope to be uh, sitting behind them and and listening to their speech because uh, they, they they should certainly be in. Yeah, like you said with Murph, I mean, to me, you, you got it's about getting the best players in the game in, and there were some guys that have been elected, you know, in the last uh, 10, 15 years that were never the best guy in their league ever or one mm. of the best two or three guys. Dale mm. Murphy was a back-to-back -back MVP. He was the best player in the National League. 
Yep. Like you said, him and Mike Schmidt were considered the best players of a decade, really. Right. So, and how many times? Okay, so he he won two MVPs, but how many other times did he finish top five? I guarantee you, it yeah. was a handful during that decade. So you're talking about one of the best players, you know, sustained excellence for an extended period of time. Man, Murph, <laughs> Murph more than illustrated that. And you there's know? a and. and, and you know, when you talk about the consistent, you know, uh, uh, Fred McGriff was my bodyguard in the Braves lineup for my first three years in the league. Yeah. You want to talk about consistent? I mean, all mm. this, how many thirty, how many consecutive thirty home run seasons did that guy have? You know, yeah, I, um, phenomenal, phenomenal. His numbers are just off the charts. You look at him and go, "Why isn't this guy in the Hall of Fame?" Right, exactly. And it's he, not uh, like he hit two thirty. You know, exactly. He hit. He hit. What I would say, two eighties, big OBP. Yeah, yeah, he had two eighty four for his career, and didn't yeah. even didn't even DH that much. Played first base almost his entire career. What was his average career average? Two eighty four. <laughs> yeah, four hundred ninety three homers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the OBP and, was what? And, and probably uh, eight eighty six. Eight eighty six yeah, OPS. Uh, yeah, fifteen fifty RBIs. I mean, that, yeah. that's. It's, uh, it doesn't make any sense, man. No. There's no shortcuts there. Uh, well, there's <laughs> so much emphasis now. Well, and, and the other thing is when so many people, uh, and, and to me rightfully so, their their uh, Bonds, Clemens are not voted in because of steroids, uh, character counts against them. Well, it should count for Murphy yes. McGriff. Yep. Murphy McGriff never played, had a whiff of a steroid controversy or anything else off the field. We're always viewed as the most exemplary guys in character. I mean, Murphy might be the nicest guy that's ever played professional sports. <laughs> they should get extra points for that, no? <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. But, but we get to see that every yeah. day. You know, right. everybody else doesn't, doesn't you know, doesn't right, even think right. that way anymore. I think you have to be, uh, you know, the 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 reason that you know Bonds and Clements, you know, aren't getting in is because it was so egregious. Right, you know, right. I think if it was, right, you know, something like popping a greenie every once in a while, <laughs> it, it it probably wouldn't prohibit them at all. You know, um, but the fact of the matter is, is you know, this whole this whole cloud is is so darkened by you know uh, what they've done and said, and, and yeah. you know the fact of the matter is is they've been pretty callous with the with the media throughout their career anyway. So right. it's not the people that were uh, going to be responsible for voting them in, right? As much as you say that you you know that you not liking somebody has an effect it has an effect i can promise you no no doubt you don't give any benefit of the doubt when you were an asshole yeah no <laughs> and and now and, and i always put it this way too imagine if dale murphy had played had had the same career that he had imagine if he or or, or andrew jones for that matter had played in their new entire, york yeah an entire career for the new york yankees first ballot hall of fame <laughs> i guarantee you Probably. first ballot <laughs> First ballot, there's no question. Andrew Jones, first ballot Hall of Famer, played his entire career with the, with the New York Yankees, ten-time uh, Gold Glove winner. I would, I would, I would have to tend to agree with you. I, 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 you know, as much as I, 
I hate to agree with, you know, East and West coast bias and small market, big market yeah. bias. Uh, there's there, I, there is something to it. There is something to it. You know, I, okay. So you put, uh, you put Derek Jeter in Seattle. Right. Right. You know, for his whole career. Is he, Cincinnati. Is he looked at, is he looked at the same way? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No. That's I mean, part of the whole thing was he did it you know, in New York. He's certainly going to make it into the, to the hall of fame he's a hall of fame player right. but is He'll get he as ballot. revered as as he uh as he is as the captain of the new york yankees right you know right so <clears throat> um well how about this uh in this a, a this uh era when uh metrics sabermetrics uh, our analytics are are so much emphasis now and guys are lining them up now analytics when they're voting for mvp and for hall of fame okay well, how about this one then harold baines War, according to baseball reference, 38.7 war. Andrew Jones. Well, I'll start with Murph. Murph, 46.5 war. McGriff, 52.6 war. Harold Baines, 38.7. Andrew Jones, 62.8 war. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Harold Baines was 38.7. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Chipper Jones, by, Chipper Jones, by the way, eighty-five point two. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what any of that means. It just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All I know is that the other guys were were higher than than Harold. And, and again, I don't want to demean what Harold was as a player. He was a hell of a hitter. Um, but you know, even if you want to break it down by the numbers, <laughs> the numbers say that that if one guy gets in that the that the other guy should as well right and uh, i think it's something that the committee is certainly going to have to um take a look at and obviously with the amount of <clears throat> atlanta braves recently inducted we will certainly do our due diligence to uh to to bring that to people's attention whenever the time comes you can you can rest assured of that well, war is supposed to take into account everything, you know, as far as defense and base running and all that and, you know, and give you how many games above uh, replacement you were worth, how many wins you were worth individually. So mm-hmm. uh, let's just say, to make it simple, Andrew Jones is closer to you than he is to Harold Baines in war. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. Let me, uh, let me ask you this, Chip. As a Hall of Famer, does it bother you if, if a guy gets in that you don't think should be in there, or is it just the more the merrier? Hey, I'm happy for everybody, man. Yeah, that's um, cool. I, I'm, not, I'm not one to judge. You know, uh, a guy like, say, Harold Baines, uh, most of his career was played before I, before I got there, you know, before yeah. I yeah. got here. Um, I faced – Lee Smith, you know, that was a big source yeah. of, of discussion. You know, I faced, I faced Lee Smith one time. He walked me on four pitches. Thank God. You know, <laughs> but, um, you know but such wonderful people and, and, and such, you know, good players. How, I mean, how can you be disappointed? You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. now if, if, if somebody cheats okay. and, and knowingly cheats or knowingly cheated and they get in, now that would that would be a source of of uh, you know tension or discussion you know amongst um, the members that are that are already there, uh, but man, you see like like guys that were um, you know had a cloud over them 
uh, you know, okay, so so Frank Thomas has come out and said there are already people in the Hall of Fame right. that right. took steroids. Right. You know, and I'm not going to put a name to, to, to those people, you know, here on, on this particular podcast, but I will just say this. The people that are suspected of having taken steroids and that are in the hall of fame, they don't, they don't, um, hang around much. Yeah. Okay. Like (laughs) if they, 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 they kind of keep away away and and keep to (laughs) themselves, Yeah, you know, And, and, um, while everybody is, is gathering around and, having a hoot and a holler and a drink and telling war stories and whatnot, you don't see those guys in that group. I'll, I'll just, I'll put it to you that way. And, That's and you cool guys to know though, you guys know who I'm talking yeah. about. Um, but you know, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. So they're still kind of, uh, <laughs> looked down upon by, yeah. By by you know, and I don't want to. I'm not sitting here saying I'm baseball royalty, but the guys yeah. who got in before right. me, those guys are baseball royalty, and they are. Um, they don't respect not, it. Not necessarily welcome. Chipper, so. I've heard I've heard it. I heard for years go up there, going up there at, at, to the Hall of Fame, and when I was president, do it being part of the ceremony. I heard uh, a lot of the older guys, the guys you're talking about, the royalty. A lot of those guys have sworn that if. The big steroid guys, the guys that we know did steroids, that if they got elected, those guys were going to stop coming to the ceremony. I mean, that's how adamant they were about those guys not getting in. The yeah, and you, you, you have quite a few um, that that have not shown up, you know, at least since I've been going, um, yeah. where you ask, hey, where's this guy? Where's, oh, he, yeah, he's not coming. You know, yeah. and um, uh, I, I can certainly see why um, I feel a lot the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, if OK, let's just say, for example, we know Jeter's going in this year, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he's yeah. he's going to get close to 100 percent. All right. So we know he's getting in. He is one of my best friends. All right. Uh-huh. Um, people have asked me if Clements and Bonds get in this year. Um, are you gonna skip the ceremony? And I, I, I can't do that. You know, right. while right. I wanna, I, 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 if you feel like you need to take a stand, um, okay, take a stand. That's that. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna punish my buddy. Right. You know, right. Just because, you know, Bonds and Clements now. Going forward, uh, you know, there, there there could be, you know, you ask me that question, you know, a year from now, I may have right. a, I may have a different answer. But I, I just in this particular instance, I'm, I'm not going to punish a buddy and not be there for him on probably one of the yeah. most special days of his life um, just because I have a beef with the way Bonds and Clements, you know, went about their business, you know, so. Um, I don't know that Bonds and Clements are going to get in this year. Is this their last year on the yeah. on the ballot? No, no, it's not their last. They're getting there, but they got a couple more years. But uh, it's the, the jump would be really big, and they barely made any jump at all last year. So I think Jeter is safe as far as that's concerned. Uh, okay, 
That's not going to happen this year. It would take Man, a lot it, of time. I would certainly feel sorry for whoever goes into oh, I that know. class. I know. You know? Oh, my I mean, God. Talk about feel, overshadowed. I would feel awful because <laughs> they are going – whoever is on the card besides footnote. those two. Footnote. Footnote. <laughs> yeah, a footnote. And and here's, here's the thing, and this is what's so sad about Bonds and Clements. Barry Bonds is the best – baseball player <laughs> yeah that i have ever seen don a baseball uniform he yeah. is the best he did everything he hit for average he hit for power he was an on-base machine he stole yeah. bases he was a gold glover i mean he did every best baseball player i've ever seen now yeah. the shame in that is that he's not already in the hall of fame you know, he would have yeah. been a yeah. unanimous first ballot Hall of Fame. No, he wouldn't have been unanimous because he would have pissed off too many writers along the way. Right. But <laughs> right. he is the best baseball player that anybody on that stage in Cooperstown and anybody who's watched baseball their whole life has yeah. ever seen. Okay. So I'm going to get that out of the way right then yeah. and there. Roger Clemens. Yeah. If not the best pitcher of our era the second best you know you got the the greg maddox you know the the greg maddox fans and the roger clemens fans i have no doubt in my mind that greg maddox hung on just long enough to make sure he had more wins in the era than <laughs> roger clemens did I mean, he beat him did he beat he beat him by one right 355 <laughs> to 354 or something like that <laughs> I, I, let me look it up. <laughs> Dob, am I right? I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I didn't. Okay. I thought uh, it was just coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Three fifty four and three fifty five. That's funny. I thought it was coincidence. <laughs> no, he beat him by one so win. He That's hung funny. on just long enough to win one <laughs> more awesome. game than 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 Roger Clemens. Okay. Yeah, so. he threw out a two and four year uh, <laughs> with our uh, eight and thirteen year with the Dodgers at forty two years old, no yep. eight, just to get past yeah. him. Exactly. Huh? exactly. <laughs> so you can say That's cool. that Roger Clemens, and I will say this about Roger Clemens. Okay, and I faced I faced Randy Johnson, I faced Pedro, I faced Schilling, uh, uh, Kevin Brown, right on some nasty dudes. Roger Clemens was the hardest guy just to put the ball in play against. All right. At the plate. I, I, I probably, I told this story in my book. I was in Houston, like one of my last two or three years I was, I was playing and we were in Houston. It was the first inning. The roof was closed. It was 72 degrees uh, inside. And I had like a nine pitch at bat against him and I grounded out the shortstop. I come back to the dugout and I sit down next to Eric Hinsky and I am sweating profusely. All right. <laughs> and he goes, bro, are you all right? You, 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 you look, you look sick. I go, dude, I just worked my ass off <laughs> to ground out the shortstop so that he would not strike me out, you know? And, and, and that's the way it was, you know, like, um, some guys, some guys have overpowering stuff but don't pitch with it, you know, right. They, they don't, they, they, they just, they, they can make mistakes because and get away with it because of their stuff. Yeah. Roger Clemens yeah. pitched with dominant stuff. Like you got nothing over the middle of the plate. If he threw you 
a strike. It was at the knees. It was on a corner. It was in one of the four quadrants, like on the corner. And guys like that with that kind of stuff, man, it is extremely hard to put the ball in play against them. So, it you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of trying to illustrate to your listeners the fact that what yeah. a shame it is right. yeah. that one of the best player anybody's ever seen and one of the best pitchers of our era right after seven or eight years on the ballot have been so egregious with their behavior yeah. and with yeah. what the how they went about their business that they're not in the hall yeah. of fame yet yeah that's what's that's what's so sad yeah yeah i thought maybe just just put them in and give them a silent ceremony you know don't don't <laughs> honor them because of that stuff but yeah. do you want these guys to be forgotten you know the they're stories you're telling. Forgotten. I know they're not. They're not. And, the and stories Chipper's telling, though. Pete Rose I mean, that's is not like, forgotten. Pete no, Rose is, if anything, you talk about him more than you would have. That's true. Well, and here, here's here's a great argument that I heard. I can't remember who said it. It was it was somebody on TV, um, one of those blowhards on ESPN or something. On the um, yelling show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the 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 Hall of Fame is a. It's a it's a museum. It's a living right. museum. That's so, kind of what I was getting at. Yes, and, and the the records that Roger Clemens has set, and the records that uh, that Barry Bonds has set, it's not going to be forgotten. Uh, in there. Okay. Okay. It'll be okay. there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pete but, Rose is in there, even though he's he's not have a bust in there. But there's yeah. many notes about him and pictures yeah. of him in there. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And, and the steroid era. Right. Whether whether we want to hear about it or not, it's a part big of the part. game. It's a, yeah. it's a, it was a big part of the game. You know, yeah. part of the boom in the mid to late nineties right. was directly correlated with the home run race yeah. between McGuire no and Sosa. So yeah. you have mementos of of theirs going through this chase, uh, this Maris chase, um, yeah, literally all over the the, yeah. the Hall of Fame. So. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. So there's there's oh, yeah. there's mention oh, yeah. of them in there. Yeah. It's not like they're just black It's not black like balls. they didn't exist. No, you. it's I not like you. the NCAA when they act like uh, you didn't win the championship. They try to right. Okay, yeah. so I wasn't sure if there was still if they'd even be mentioned in there or not. But if yeah. there's there's plaques and records and stuff, yeah. that's that's there's cool. no plaques, but there are yeah, pictures and notes of everything <laughs> they did. So if you're gonna if you're gonna have stuff with Sammy Sosa and yeah. Mark McGuire in the Hall of Fame. You better damn sure have some stuff yeah. with with right. with these guys because, <laughs> I mean, no offense to Big Mac and Sammy, but yeah. they were another level. They couldn't even hold Barry's, you know, jockstrap. Yeah, you can uh, say that on I, here. And I, and I totally agree. I totally agree with you uh, on Bonds because I remember with the Pirates, he was the best player in the game, and he was about 185 to 190 pounds, and he did yeah. everything. He, he did 20, not have to do what he did to become a, he had a freak. He had a twenty-eight inch waist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was unbelievable. I I, one year I was having a really good year um, throwing lefty sinkers in. Right. I mean, I yeah. could just throw it. I could throw it fifteen pitches in a row and get yeah. outs. Right. Yeah. And so I was asking Rossi because Rossi caught against Bonds when he was with the Dodgers. Uh, I said, Rossi, could I get Bonds out with my sinker in? What's he doing on this pitch? And Rossi just laughed. He goes, dude, your sinker in's doo-doo for him. He goes, 
He goes, he would keep it fair and he'd hit it 500 feet down the right field line. Nine out of 10 times, dude. He goes, you ain't got shit for Barry Bonds. Yeah. He goes, that, yeah. He goes you just need to understand the level this guy was playing at yep. is so high. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Bro, you know, he, used I, to get, he used to get one pitch a game. Yeah. A game. One pitch a game and hit it into McCovey Cove. It was, I'm telling Unreal. you, man, this, this guy, we were playing baseball at his highest level. This dude was playing for the Galactic all-stars, bro. Yeah. I mean, remember, was, how pissed, remember how pissed Bobby was out in San Francisco when you guys oh, gave up back-to-back, not nights, like walk-offs to, walk to, to, to Barry Bonds. Yeah. Bobby, would, yeah. Bobby was so pissed. He was, he was like, he wouldn't just walk him, but yeah. he was pissed that his guys gave anything to him. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I've never I've never heard a post-game tirade like like that you know if we lose a tough game every once in a while um you can hear bobby screaming back you know back in his office he'll yeah he'll, he'll drop some f-bombs and gds and all that kind of stuff and and <laughs> that night oh <laughs> uh, he, he broke he he broke one of the doors to the clubhouse getting in there. you know those things were loud and clanky anyway so he broke one of them and he everybody that wasn't supposed to be in the clubhouse got the heck out of the clubhouse and he went off for like he goes what why why do we even have meetings before the series <laughs> did, did, you, did you not hear me if, if, if there's a base open we walk hell i don't care if there's if third base is open you still walk him you know i mean and trey hodges and ray king yeah yeah <laughs> gave up back to back walk off homers to the best player in the game I, I, yeah I mean, I can, I can, I can handle it if Jeff Kent beats us because we walked <laughs> Barry Bonds, but I can't handle him walking us off twice in a row. That's Man, when Bobby would blow up, he do it. I saw him do it twice, and it. it when Bobby would blow up, man, when it would finally come out, you just you felt like a little kid, like man, I'm in some deep shit now. I don't know what I don't know what to do here, but it but put you, you in your place quick. You, you felt so bad because Bobby yeah, you was did. like such you know a father figure to all yep. of us that you feel like man, he we let Bobby this, down. This, He's this pissed at me. I am so disappointed in myself. Oh man, it hurt. It cut yeah. deep. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, I'd much have rather had, have it. I'd much rather have it that way than me looking at a manager with contempt whenever, yeah, right. whenever yeah. he feels that way. Because that's when you lose the clubhouse. And I can honestly yeah. say, Bobby, Bobby, in never. the seventeen years that I was with him, never lost the clubhouse. No, Chipper, wasn't that? I mean, that's a, a rare individual that can do what Bobby did, manage all that time, not have hardly any rules at all. But have total discipline because guys just knew not to uh, take advantage of him. I mean, of his lack of rules. Well, he had he had good leaders, you know. Yes, he had, he, yes, he, he let he you guys police it. He didn't have to police the clubhouse because he, right. you know, the Braves brought in right uh, good guys pretty much every year to to police it for him, you know, and right. it comes. You know, constructive criticism comes better from fellow players, right. peers, yes, yeah. right. than it does, uh, you know, coaches. And I just think that um, 
uh, Sherholtz and, and, and Bobby, had, you know, it started with the Terry Pendletons and the Sid Breams and, you know, yeah. it, it, it kind of morphed into the Smoltzes and the uh, uh, McGriffs and, and then, you know, they kind of passed the torch on to myself and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I think you have to have that good mix. You have to have a manager that people respect the second they walk in the clubhouse. We right. had that from, from day one. Um, but we also have some, some guys that, that help right. Bobby, um, not right. have to, to overstep into the, into the clubhouse too much. Sure. Yeah, you don't. You never. You never. Hardly ever saw Bobby walking through the clubhouse. I mean, physically you never saw walking, and you never no. see Snit doing that either. You know, it's like no. he knows that's your place. Let you guys police it. Yeah. Well, that was that was our. You know, and and this is why I kind of I kind of laughed after the division series when the Cardinals manager. You know, that video kind of yeah. went viral yeah. about him yeah. coming out and and pep talking his team after. The, yeah, Bobby never did that. You know, <laughs> Ever. The, the, the clubhouse was for the players, you know, right. and right. the only time I ever saw Bobby come in and sit down and uh-huh. and conversate with players in the clubhouse was after his last game. Yeah, that was, that was the coolest shit ever. We wow. stayed in the clubhouse till two o'clock in the morning. Yep. Just hanging out with Bobby and telling stories, and popping beers and that was awesome. Uh, it was that's so cool. much. That was the only time he ever did. We, we we won. We won a World Series. We won two National League pennants. We won fourteen division titles. Bobby never addressed the team after any of them. I, I just, wow. I guess that's <laughs> just kind of the new school way of yeah of yeah. doing things now. But um, I, I dare say. <laughs> <laughs> Cardinals manager, he might not do that ever again. Oh, he looked kind of silly the next <laughs> or, round, didn't he? Or, or at least make sure that the uh, yeah yeah that the the clubhouse has has rid itself of cell phones before he does. <laughs> How does that happen? This so. keeps happening, man. These I guys know. keep doing shit, and their Stop. players put the stuff on Instagram. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Crazy. No, yeah. that was the coolest thing ever when Bobby sat with us, man. I, I wasn't leaving. I think we hung out, like he said, till 2 in the morning and just yeah. shot the shit with Bobby. He had the whole clubhouse rolling, too, because yep. you don't see that side of him much. He nope. was uh, he was really good at keeping that barrier up where he said but hi to you every day. You know, he, he, he wanted – you're exactly right. He wanted – he didn't want to overstep that, that boundary where, you know, it went from, hey, I'm the manager and – To your buddy. And, and – not be your yeah. buddy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, 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 he walked that line perfectly. He sure did. He sure did. Well, Chipper, I know you got to go. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about priorities this offseason. Um, I know it's early, but how important do you think it is to sign uh, Josh Donaldson? Or do you think it's important? Uh, I think it's I think it's very important. I think it's uh, not as important as maybe going out and getting a horse. You know, yeah. uh, you know, you know me and, and I'm a position player and, yeah. and you, you, it's very well illustrated in the playoffs this year. Yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. The, the, the two teams with the best, most powerful one, two and three starters. Yeah. Guess where they're playing in the yeah. World Series. All right. That's why this is going to be an awesome World Series. I mean, you're going to have yeah, Cole and Scherzer and Verlander and Strasburg and Grinky and Corbin. I mean, yeah. you can't ask. 
power pitching Old wins school, yeah. in the postseason. All the Nationals had to do was get in. Yeah. Yep. And I yeah. had them go. I, I, I honestly, I had them going to the World Series because power pitching wins in the postseason. So, if it's me, I want. I, I want a horse. I go go trade for it, sign it, pay it. Yeah. Get me a horse. You know, because yeah. can you imagine what a number one starter would do with <laughs> Soroka, Freed, Fulty? Whoever oh, else man. You know, comes around in the in the five hole, but yes, Josh Donaldson. Ian Anderson. Josh Donaldson has uh, represented himself very well. He is a much better baseball player than I gave him credit for. Coming uh-huh. in, watching him play every day, um, his uh, uh, defense was outstanding. Yep. Yeah. Um, he he protected Freddie very well in the middle of that lineup. Um, so yeah, I would say. He is a priority. Is he the number one priority? I can't say that, but he's certainly one of the top two or three. Do you think uh, when you say go out and get a horse, do you go out? Do you do you get in the running for the horse, or do you think Garrett Cole's just too much for the Braves? Too expensive? Do that's they have a, the money? That's above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> I don't have security clearance to, to, to say one way or the other. As far as that's concerned, I would like to think that uh, that he would be on the radar. Um, I will. I will say this: you know, a, a guy like uh, Wheeler up in New yeah. York, yeah, um, would probably be a little more uh, feasible. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> Garrett Cole's. Garrett Cole's made himself a lot oh. of money in the last oh. six months. A lot last, of money. Uh, last two last weeks. <laughs> he might be the first three hundred million dollar pitcher. He's won eighteen straight consecutive decisions. Damn. He's unbelievable. He's I a mean, beast, eighteen man. straight. Is it eighteen decisions or eighteen starts? He's, I don't know, but whatever, whatever starts. he's figured out. It, yeah. I mean, he's he's. He's off the charts, some kind of good. Lot, there's a lot of talk that he may go to uh, Anaheim because he's, yeah. he's, he's yeah. from there. He's from there. You know, but uh, you never know. We'll see. Or the Yankees if they get desperate. <laughs> At least yeah. make a phone call. How about the Yankees? <laughs> not, how about the Yankees not going to one World Series for this decade? Yeah, I saw that stat that you threw out there uh, yesterday. The, uh, the most regular season. The regular man. season and not one, not one World Series. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty hard to do. Especially yeah. when you have the kind of payroll and, and yeah. flexibility and, and a, ability to go get what you need uh, when, you, when you need it uh, for that not to happen. Maybe yeah. uh, you might be starting to see some heads roll in New York here pretty soon if it doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah. So. And Cashman, he has kept that job for a long damn time, man. Yep. Yep. 100%. Hey, we really appreciate it, Chipper, man. It's been great having you. Uh, yeah. Enjoyed thanks it, guys. For, thanks for hopping on with us. I'm yeah, sorry Chip. it took so long, but no uh, problem. It was yo, worth the wait. It's, it's good to hear from you, bud. And we'll uh, we'll cross paths here pretty soon. You too, man. I'll see you out in Atlanta next year, maybe. Okay, sounds good, guys. See you. Thanks, right, Chip. Then. Well, I think that was worth the wait, Eric. Yeah, it was every time, man. <laughs> every time when he talks, he's, man, you just just grab a chair. He's gold, man. Yeah. All right. Well. That's going to do it for us. What else the hell are we going to say after Chipper gets off the thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing else needs to be said. I like Bring his this- <laughs> idea there. I like Wheeler. I think that is realistic, and I think 
he would be a good fit. Wheeler, Wheeler can be tough. Yeah, yeah, I like I like Wheeler too. I just you know it's it's another thing when you've seen a guy do what Cole's done in the postseason, or a guy like a postseason horse for me. It's a it's a different oh, yeah, level, they're, you know. They're but, different level guys, no doubt. Um, but realistically, are they going to pay 30, 30, 30 million a year for long term? I don't know. It's just I don't not think their, so. It's but not their mo. I try to be optimistic because you think about what a difference that guy can make. Um, like he said, you know, if, if you had Soroka behind Garrett Cole, that's I don't think anybody wants to go up against that. So. How about we'll you? See. How about you split the difference and you and you uh, you get Wheeler and Bumgarner? That's cool too. How about know? that? We'll see what they do. That give you some depth right there, wouldn't it? That's a lot of depth. Yeah. All right, man. That's good. Chip, God, that was good. All right, this seven fifty five is real, and uh, I enjoyed that conversation about Bonds and Clemens. That was good stuff. That's good stuff. It's yeah. it's good to hear from him too. Yes, yes. All, All right. right. So next week. I'll see you next week. Next week, we'll be talking about the World Series. It'll probably be ongoing still. Uh, we didn't get your prediction. We should have got Chipper. Well, Chipper said he picked the Nats to go to the series, man. Wow. Uh, who are you picking? Who are you picking to win this thing? I think the Astros are going to win it, but I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than than people think with, with those pitching matchups, and I hope it is too because it could be a really fun series to watch with that pitching. I'll take Astros in five or six. I think the Nats could win could win two with uh, Scherzer and Strasburg. Strasburg's dealing right now, so they're not yeah. going to beat Garrett Cole though. They could win four if it those two. They could win four. That, uh, they're not, they're the not, they're not beating Garrett Cole twice, uh, and no. that ain't happening. I know. I'm just hoping. <laughs> right. I'm hoping for some drama. I'll put it that way. <laughs> All right, man. All right, that's been good. We'll talk next uh, Tuesday. Thanks a lot, right. everybody. We're out. Seven fifty-five is still real. Bye. Mm-hmm.